0: ringer nba show i'm chris vernon and joining me every tuesday from the ringer.com is kevin o'connor aka kevin o'concert aka kevin O'Bomber, kevin Verno,
1: we got a trade.
0: We do have a trade. We've talked over the course of the last couple of weeks about Eric Bledsoe once he was banished from the Phoenix Suns um after Goodbye. his after his tweet saying he wanted to get out of there. Uh, I don't want to be here anymore. Well, now uh you know, listen, in, in NBA terms, it is great. Uh, to move from Phoenix to Milwaukee, I will not imagine that non-job related, a lot of people have made that choice, <laughs> um, but for his purposes and getting to play playoff basketball for the first time since he played for the Clippers. You've got to imagine Bledsoe will be pretty happy about that. On the other side, Phoenix is able to obtain Greg Monroe and a first round pick.
1: Heavily protected first rounder.
0: I still think good value because you can get something from Monroe if you want to flip him. I mean, I thought I thought this guy's stock was killed. Like, you know, their leverage of being able to get something for him. So I was kind of impressed that Phoenix got something, you know, that's a real like possible starter, certainly eight man rotation guy and a pick for him. So.
1: I thought I thought they did. I thought Phoenix did pretty good. And you know, it's cool that Milwaukee was the place that he landed because sometimes you know in the NBA when you hear a trade rumor, you think about, oh, here's a team that makes sense for a guy. Here's another team, and one of the first teams that came to mind was Milwaukee for Eric Bledsoe because they were a team that needed really another guy, another playmaker. And look, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Bledsoe fan because his off-ball shooting is quite average, and so if you're taking the ball, if you're keeping the ball in Giannis's hands, Bledsoe doesn't really help you space the floor. But the fact is, is that like they needed another playmaker, and Bledsoe is really, really good in the pick and roll, and he's another guy who can attack off the dribble. So it's a it's a risk worth taking for Milwaukee, especially with the protections on that pick where. Bledsoe's a good player, man. Like, he's the 12th or the 13th best point guard in basketball. Um, He's got injury problems and there's concerns with that, but he's good. And so I'm excited about this trade for both teams. Like you said, Chris, Phoenix had no leverage, and to get a first-rounder out of it, it's pretty damn good.
0: My first instinct is I'm thinking, my God, they're going to be able to throw Bledsoe and Brogdon out as a backcourt. Two guys that can. you You feel comfortable with them on ones. You feel comfortable with them on twos. You know, if they get switched, yeah. you know, they're not yeah. easy guys to post up on. These guys are both got these condor-like wingspans. Um, They've shown a, a willingness to be able to defend, certainly Brogdon. I mean, it's demanded by Kidd. We just haven't seen it in so long from Bledsoe. Once upon a time, I thought he was as difficult a perimeter defender to go against in the league And then I don't think he's lost the ability to defend. I think he's lost the will. And so if he gets that back, (laughs) I get the offensive side and the playmaking. I'm more interested in the defensive side because I think they could throw out lineups where, you know, I don't even know how great they have to be offensively because they might be able to just, strangle you out and you not be able to score for four and five minute stretches. I think they could be devastating with all that length and speed that everything they've got uh, defensively.
1: That's a great point, Chris, because there's going to be so much focus on the offensive end of the floor as there should be. Right. Um, But at the same time, there's also another end and that's where that's where Bledsoe in the past was elites. When he was a younger player with the Clippers, he was probably one of the better perimeter guard defenders in the league. And it wasn't it wasn't just he could defend point guards either. Because he's so strong and because he's really so long, he's able to defend some bigger guys too. So I think it makes a versatile Bucks team even more versatile having someone like Eric Bledsoe at the point guard position now. The thing is is like as you said, he lost the will to defend in Phoenix. So will he turn it back to the level that he did? He could, and let's hope that he does. Um, but there's no guarantees of that. It could be something where he can't flip the switch right away. But, you know, I, I'm, essentially just playing devil's advocate to myself cuz I'm with you where he's going to be able to turn it on. Defense is about effort and I think he's going to really, you know, uh feel a lot of new energy playing on this new Bucks team.
0: And I think it's fair to say for anybody that has seen Bledsoe play in person or even frankly if you've watched him on a League Pass, they don't get a lot of national TV games, but if you've seen him the last couple of years, to me that's why I I hold out hope that he can be that guy again defensively because he just did not give a crap. He just didn't. He was not playing hard. <laughs> the other thing, and I will say this offensively, Kev, he's much better suited to have a lower usage to me. Like he is not your lead guy, best player on the team. And clearly he will not be. I don't know where he falls in the pecking order there uh, amongst the other players in terms of usage, in terms of number of shots he's going to be taking. Um, Certainly he is I mean he's no better than the third best offensive player they would have. I mean no way. He's, he's clearly not better than Giannis or Jabari.
1: Yeah, of course not. He's a better playmaker than Jabari to to be fair, but like Correct. scoring wise Jabari better pure scorer.
0: You know those guys are going to get the ball more offensively, Jabari and Giannis.
1: Assuming Jabari comes back healthy, like Correct. I mean, if he comes back right away, I mean, and hopefully he does, because especially losing Monroe, they need another guy to be coming off that bench like Jabari. Yeah. It'll be
0: interesting to see what he does. You know, this happens with a lot of guys. What happens when they kind of fall back into a role when their usage has been high and they can kind of he's pretty well been able to do whatever he wants to do in Phoenix. Like nobody's going to bitch if Eric Bledsoe takes 25 shots in a game. Right. I think it's a good fit. I do. And I actually think kids a good coach for him.
1: You know, it's funny, like preseason, we talked about, you know, coaches that might get fired or surprise coaches that could be in the hot seat and like reading, reading Bucks, you know, Twitter or or on Reddit. Like a lot of people have been saying, like, would the Bucks be better off without Jason Kidd? Because their defense has been just really, really bad so far this season. And you mentioned Brogdon. I like Brogdon a lot. You know he's he's a really good defender, but at the same time he's had some moments this season where he's just got totally blown by, and I wonder if it might be because of the the left ankle injury he had early in the season, or maybe he's lost a little bit of his lateral quickness. But having Bledsoe on the def- on the perimeter, I think will help them a lot. Um, at the same time, though, like, I wonder how much of their issues defensively are are systematic because uh, they have the personnel. they have they have good def- individual defenders. and yet they have the twenty fifth the twenty sixth best defensive rating or the fifth worst defensive rating. Um so that th- that's something where I think they'll get better over the course of the season, um especially having Bletso there.
0: Where are you at on Greg Monroe? I think he's an interesting case because he can get you buckets off the bench for sure. I think is 11.7 points, 6.6 rebounds off the bench last year. But here's the thing. He is one of these guys of a bygone era. Virtually everybody that is a big guy outside of the DeAndre Jordans and the Whitesides and the Drummonds. Virtually everybody else, and we've chronicled this a lot, are shooting threes now across the league, even guys that you would previously have thought have no business doing it. He is a skilled guy. He's always had good footwork. He's always been good around the basket. He does not take any. Takes none. Right. Like, and, and in this day and age, it is this, he is this throwback guy. Wouldn't you think if you're Greg Monroe, like you would start to add that into your arsenal, given the way the NBA has moved so dramatically over the course of the last couple of years? Yet he has not. He's still the same within 10 feet of the basket guy for the most part.
1: The funny thing is, is like, you know, as solid of a player Greg Monroe is, in some ways, like for the Bucks, he's really just a salary filler, and I think that speaks to for them the return that they got for Butzo, a guy that they benched, that they sent home, as you said, a guy that who has been. Injured significantly um, over the past couple seasons, he's had a lot of knee injuries. Um, he's had maybe one a fully healthy season. Past few years, sixty-six games last year when they shut him down at the end of the season, thirty-one games the season before, eighty-one the season before that, and then forty-three the year before that. So Bledsoe's had a lot of injuries. So there's risk there for for Milwaukee as well, but. With Monroe, he's a guy who's been very available and very consistent. He, Like you said, Chris, he hasn't expanded his game, but at the same time, he's still a pretty good player, and I I wonder if Phoenix could flip him and get maybe another second-round draft pick in the trade because the picks that they got, um, one of them is heavily protected um, where it's unlikely that they get it this season unless Milwaukee just misses the playoffs or just makes the playoffs, and it's the same thing next season as well, so they might not get that first-round pick until 2020, so Maybe Monroe's a guy you look to flip because I'm not so sure that he's a guy you'd want to keep because I think I think despite the problems that you outlined, he's still a guy that could essentially help the team considering where they are. And I don't know if you want to get help right now when you want to bottom out, baby. You want to take.
0: Yeah, he has taken. He has attempted 12 threes in his entire career.
1: Not everybody's with the three-point shooting revolution.
0: Yeah, but like uh, you think about the teams right now, the the good teams There's there's it's just few and far between. And frankly, as you get older and you're that guy, it's going to become more. It's going to be harder on you because right now, so many, especially when you are playing a big guy who plays more like a traditional big like Greg, the opposing coach puts a laser pointer on you every time the team comes down and either tries to pull you all the way away from the basket or throw you in a million
1: pick and rolls. And. I mean, Monroe's gotten better, though. I mean, like he hasn't added a three pointer, but he's gotten a lot better over his career defensively. And I think, I think like he deserves credit for that. He's he's a great rebounder. He's a great interior scorer. He's a he's a solid passer, and he's gotten better defensively. He's not he's not like a complete player. I I just think I think Monroe is somebody who can he look. Here's the difference between Greg Monroe and Jahlil Okafor. Monroe rebounds. Okafor doesn't. Monroe defends Okafor dozens other than that like they're pretty close to the same player but having the defense and the rebounding is what enables Monroe to still be a, a consistent rotation guy even even you're right like he would be a 30 minutes per game guy if he could shoot a three. But the fact he's turned himself into a guy who can get you 20 to 25 minutes, that's not too bad. I mean, he's he's a solid player. And if I'm a team I'm I, and that needs a scoring big off the bench, I'd be happy to trade with uh, Phoenix and try to get him.
0: Yeah, I just wonder if you're a really good team because you're always keeping an eye towards the highest level. Is he playable in the biggest situations? That's That would be my question. Is he one of these guys that has been rendered – Um, much less useful against the teams that you might have to beat, whether you're talking about, uh, what are you talking about? The, the, uh, like the Warriors or the Rockets or the Cavs for that matter or the Celtics or whoever, right? How useful is Greg Monroe when you, when the stakes are the highest? And I've got to believe if the Bucks thought, he was intensely useful when the stakes get the highest because they'd fancied themselves as a team that could play maybe for the eastern conference title that they wouldn't have they wouldn't have they wouldn't have given him up right that would be my th- thinking
1: i mean the thing is though is like for phoenix he's really just filler i mean for them it's about this deal is about creating cap space in 2018 and then retain maybe retaining that cap space in 2019 and because they could they could have about 20 to 22 million open cap space this coming summer and they could easily make that bump that up to 30 million there's not a lot of teams that can create max cap space so maybe if you're phoenix you can make yourself into a destination for not a top guy but you could become a destination for other guys let's I mean they've gotten free agent meetings in the past couple of years despite not being a great team they they met with Aldridge didn't get him they had a meeting planned with Blake Griffin but then the Clippers blew him away with their presentation so they've they're at least an appealing spot for some guys so now you've created some space see you later to Greg Monroe to wherever he goes whether you keep him you trade him or you wave him it, it's really just about the cap space and then that draft pick where A lot of people, a lot of Suns fans are going to be like, damn, like those protections stink. Like we might not get this pick till 2020, but at the same time, like you have so many young guys already. Getting that pick in 2020 couldn't end up be, being more advantageous for the organization. So I, I love the deal for both teams, really. I, I I don't know if you love it for both as much as I do, Chris, but I think it's just a, a good deal for Phoenix based on the, the fact they didn't have much leverage. And then for Milwaukee, the fact that they are taking a nice calculated risk that could really, really help their team out, which does need some help right now. I, I only hope like the same thing can happen for other guys on the block like Jaleel Okafor.
0: I totally agree with you. I like it for both. And again, it's all relative. You would like for it to have never happened. If you are Phoenix, you'd like for him to never send out the tweet. You never banished him from the team and then be able to go shop him around. Right. Rather than everybody in the free world knows you're going to move him. So I thought, given the circumstances, they did great. I really did. I I think they did great. Getting a real player. No matter what you're going to do with him, he's a real player and a pick for it. I wondered if they were going to be able to do that. Let me ask you real quick, Kev, because you mentioned him in passing. Okafor, Jalil Okafor, because he's a guy that clearly wants out of Philly. Nothing's really happened so far, as we know of. I was an Okafor fan. I was, especially coming out of college. I thought he was... You just don't see a lot of guys that are that skilled offensively. I get he can be a liability, And here's the other thing, Kevin, I've talked about this a lot. So much of your possible success in the NBA is about fit. And I thought he was drafted to possibly the worst situation you could have been drafted to, right? And it wasn't just because of the losing. It was the losing and they, like, every year took another guy that played the same position, right? Like, it wasn't like you could be the... One in four out guy. Those high draft picks were used on Joel Embiid and Nerlens and the Well, and uh, you know, your boy Rashawn Holmes was there too. And Rashawn I don't, Holmes, baby, that's what I'm talking about. I get the Jalil stunk, but like everybody saw that talent once upon a time. That talent is still in there, and many times he just did not show that. And there was too much talent there for me to give up on what he can possibly be. Because I've got to at least take into consideration the situation that he's been in over the course of the the first couple of years of his career. I think he could still be good.
1: I do. I hope he does become good. I'd I'd love to see him uh, really get back on track in a new destination. And it would be cool if it was back home in Chicago, too. Yeah, that's for sure. Well,
0: he was good coming out of Duke. He was really good. Remember, people were talking about him or Towns. That was the discussion once upon a time.
1: Silly discussion, in my opinion. But That's beside (laughs) the point. Well, let's just say their career trajectories have gone
0: radically different since they were drafted. Yes. Yes. That's for certain. All right. Let's talk about some of the other stuff that took place. So that happened this morning. Last night, the Celtic streak continued and... Kyrie Irving put on the show of shows in Atlanta. Um, I mean, some of the it was like, it was like like an and one mixtape at some moments. Um, you have that Beautiful. you have these two kids on the wing, Tatum and Brown, who J team. After opening night against the Cavs, I was like, do both of these kids have a chance to be stars? Like you could just see it. And for so early in the careers, I mean, you're talking about still first 10 games. If you did not tell me that one of them's in their second year and one of them's a rookie, I would never have suspected from from either <laughs> of them. I mean, they've been they've been fantastic. They've kind of gotten their sea legs after the devastating loss of Hayward for the season and they kept on rocking
1: last night with another win. Tell me what you're seeing. Tatum is really the guy where and all the flaws that people pointed out with him correctly based on his play at Duke, you know, defense you know, shooting range, passing, all of those flaws are have somehow just been erased. And and I, I've heard that for Tatum in college, he had a he had a foot injury early in the season. And I've heard that coming back from that and getting into basketball shape was very difficult, and that's what limited him on the defensive end because he could defend playing USA Basketball. And that was really his first time playing defense, being asked to play defense, and he did well in USA Basketball. And Now playing for Boston, a defense-first team under Brad Stevens, he's being asked to play defense, and he's doing it quite well. And then offensively, he's he's extended his range every single season, um, every single year of his life going back to high school. So it's really, to me, not much of a surprise that he's hitting spot-up threes. And then for Jalen Brown. I mean, he's the guy really taking on the tougher assignments defensively. Tatum has been good, but Brown's been great defensively. And he's also been up and down offensively. But at the same time, like here's a a 19-year-old kid in Tatum and a 21-year-old kid in Jalen Brown where, as you said, if you told somebody he's 27, he's 25, he just looks really young you'd believe him. Like you would believe that person when they describe Brown and Tatum that way, just based on their performance. And not just their performance, but the trust in which Stevens has showed in putting them into big moments, like that three-pointer Tatum hit from the left corner last night, trusting him late in the game to be out there and to to – make the right plays defensively, but also perform offensively. It shows a lot of trust by Stevens and his young guys and to enable his young guys. And Hayward's a huge loss. If he doesn't come back this season, it's going to hurt them in the playoffs. But at the same time, getting this experience for these young guys is, is really remarkable to watch. Must be
0: all that, uh, you know, with these young guys that appear to be, as you said, if you told somebody they're 25 or 27, must be all that uh, Danny Ainge brain doctor crap, right?
1: I don't know a whole lot about brain doctor's techniques, but all all I do know for a fact is that personality really means a whole lot in basketball and in sports and in life and any job. There's a reason why Google, you know, gives personality tests to the people that they hire.
0: All right. So here's something that ran through my mind last night. Just hear me out. And I know Porzingis has been amazing. Giannis has been amazing. There's all kinds of great players uh, and, and, and great seasons already being had throughout the league. But as I am watching Kyrie Irving close the door on Atlanta last night, this ran through my head. So over the course of history, outside of last year, which was an outlier, an extreme outlier, in fact, with Westbrook winning the MVP because he averaged the triple-double, generally. You look to see who are they going to be the best teams in the NBA record wise at the end. And then it is typically the best player on the best team or the best player that's on the second best team. But, but by and large, they're on the first two or three seeds, um, usually the top two seeds in either conference. So as I'm watching it last night, at least for a minute, it slipped into my mind. You know, it's not far fetched at all to think that Boston could end up with the best record. Like, I think that could absolutely happen, that they have the best record in the East conference when it's all said and done. If that is so, then the best player on the best team would be Kyrie Irving, giving him a real opportunity at winning MVP. And then at that point, I'm like, could you imagine if one year the guy that was the sidekick for Durant and kind of overshadowed breaks out and then wins the MVP and then the next year the guy that was the sidekick for lebron goes in place for another team without lebron and and ends up winning the mvp like i don't i don't know what the odds are right now for kyrie but i don't think that that would be that bad of a bet honestly to throw a little on kyrie irving as a possible mvp just given his team's probably going to have the best record in that deal
1: don't you think It wouldn't be a bad bet at all, and to be honest, like that's why I I said before the season, Brad Stevens will be coach of the year because I think he's going to take this new team, you know, with only four returning players, and people are going to see how quickly they get on track. Celtics are going to be really good; they'll probably be the one seed, and then Stevens will kind of get the love that he deserves. He's, I think, he'll be rewarded with coach of the year, especially with the Hayward injury. Now the narrative's there, and that that's another factor, you know, in terms of Irving being MVP, and I don't think he's going to win the award. But if Kyrie, if Isaiah Thomas can place fifth last season, I think top five is certainly um, within the realm of possibility for Kyrie Irving, especially because the fact that as good as he's been, he's been really, really good and really consistent on defense. He's been better passing the ball. Um, his scoring still hasn't really he hasn't had that 40 Point game yet he hasn't had to carry the team yet because so many guys are performing. So when he has those performances, it's going to up his scoring averages. And I think there's a possibility he does get some MVP votes. But ultimately, like, I just don't think he's going to win the award. I still think it'll be a guy like Giannis or a guy like LeBron or even you know one of the Warriors players maybe um, more so than Kyrie. But the fact is, is that he's going to be up there in the conversation with those guys and Westbrook. Um, and whatnot. So I I think the fact is is that regardless of MVP, like he's gotten way better. He has gotten he and in the new system he has gotten better. Yeah. Um, so that's been impressive to watch.
0: It went through my mind last night, especially in that fourth quarter, because that that was like Thomas' time last year. You know, Kev. This guy was he was outrageous, and he was outrageous in the fourth quarter. The now, king
1: in the fourth. Yeah. The little
0: guy. And and now you're watching another guy. I mean, he just. It was so deflating for the Hawks. They just got to be thinking like, what the hell? Like he, they had the guy defended, right? <laughs> and there's just nothing you can do if he's going to hit like fade away floaters. You know, after making moves through four different guys, he is, he is so awesome offensively. My God. And poor Schroeder trying to keep up with him on that crossover. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you got no he's, chance.
1: He's basketball Houdini. I love watching him dribble that ball. It's amazing.
0: All right, Kev, we'll get right back to it. But first, a word from our sponsors. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, and confusing, but there's a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek with their seamless mobile experience. You can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or music. Musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. Best of all, our listeners get a twenty dollars rebate on their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your twenty dollars rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click Add a promo code. Enter the promo code RingerNBA. SeatGeek will send you twenty bucks once you've made your first. First Ticket Purchase, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code RINGERNBA today. RINGERNBA show also brought to you by Stitch Fix. If you're like a lot of guys, you probably think of a million things you'd rather be doing than shopping for clothes. Between the parking and the crowds, the mall, and the endless browsing and lack of advice online, it's enough to make you want to rock the same t-shirt and jeans forever. But you can't. So let me tell you about Stitch Fix men. They've reimagined how to find and buy clothes. You never have to leave the house. It's that easy. Just go to stitchfix.com, tell them your sizes, your favorite type of clothes, and how much you want to spend. Your personal stylist will then get to work handpicking new clothes for you based on your style and your budget. Five items are delivered right to your door. You try them on at home, and you only pay for what you keep. Shipping's free both ways, so anything you don't want, just send it back, and exchanges are always free, too. You can get your fix monthly, quarterly, or whenever you want. There's no subscription required. It's easy. The shipping's free. Why not give them a try? I promise you'll be hooked. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash NBA, and you'll also get 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash NBA to get started today. stitchfix.com slash NBA. Let me ask you about the Whiteside thing. Last night, we saw in the second half of the Warriors-Miami game that Hassan Whiteside got thrown on the bench. It appears to be a message that Eric Spolstra was trying to send when he, uh, after the game, was asked about it. He said it was a coach's decision, and then... Uh, Miami's three captains discussed the situation with Whiteside after the game with reporters. Goran Dragic says, sometimes you just don't have it. Uh, Whiteside admitted, hey guys, I let you down. Look, we're here to help him. He's a team player. He's our player. We love him. And this is the only thing that matters and uh spolster basically said the benching is nothing bigger than that don't make it more than that it's just one game and so at least for one night in a very high profile game spolster had had enough and uh ends up putting a guy that's a big minute guy for him only plays 16 minutes and throws him on the bench uh you know Whiteside. i think you've seen it too kev every once in a while this guy can uh this guy can really let the emotions Get the better of him, and then starts to check out on you. And I think Spolster probably, you know, frustration level got pretty high last night. And he's like, "Listen, man, if you're gonna check out on me, you're you're just gonna sit sit next to me. That's what's gonna happen."
1: I think, like Spolster said, it's not worth overblowing right now, but it's worth monitoring at least if it becomes a trend then I do think it's something to worry about because it wasn't too long ago that Whiteside was just a D-leaguer, a guy trying to get his career back on track after a really, really bad start out of the league for two seasons into his three in a row until Miami gave him an opportunity. So if, if he's fallen back into bad habits... Then, obviously, it's definitely a big-time concern, but one game, uh, hopefully hopefully it's just an aberration and he gets back on track, because he's a, he's a fun player, isn't he? Whiteside? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if I'd say fun. You're not a fan of Whiteside. Fun? He's fun? Yeah, fun. He's shot blocker, big dude, you know, he talks shit. Man, that's fun. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess he's fun. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> He's got a good story. I mean, there's he's great on social media. Yes, yeah, that's what
0: I'll give him. He's got a really good personality. But in terms of like the way he plays basketball, I'm not I'm not crazy about him. I, I mean,
1: we're at the point now, Chris, where what players do on social media like affects how much you like those players. So like <laughs> LeBron last night posting the the Arthur clenching fist meme. Did you see that on Instagram?
0: All right. Do you know what is so funny to me is the uh you know what happened when that when that meme went up there? is I'm aware of it, but I am aware of that as a meme. I am not aware of Arthur. Like, I never watched Arthur. I don't know anything about Arthur. He's not still around and relevant with children now, so I have no way of... Like, that was all happening at a time in my life where I wasn't watching, like cartoons or anything so
1: yeah i think it is a meme for most people i, I really do i i think for most people it's a meme kind of like for like really really young people they might know michael jordan <laughs> as <laughs> the crying, crying jordan, jordan <laughs>. face okay well more, this more is so good. Than one of no, the greatest athletes ever
0: no this is good because now like unlike the dragon ball z thing i was worried that you were going to be like you don't know arthur and i be like i, I don't uh, i'm out man i don't i don't know i don't even know what it, it was it is it it's is for kids right it's it's a kid's show Yeah, it's a kid's show okay good Good. It's a kids show, yeah. Good. At least I didn't have to. At least it wasn't some kind of pop culture phenomenon I missed.
1: It has transcended from author to meme status. Right. So it's like almost like an upgrade in some ways. I understand.
0: <laughs> All right, Kevin. So what do you think LeBron meant by putting up the meme? There have been many that have pontificated on the meaning of him putting up the uh, the Arthur fist.
1: Well, last night when it first happened, my first thought was LeBron is looking at the standings and he sees that if, you know, the playoffs started today, Cleveland would be out. He, he's seeing that Cleveland has the 30th ranked defense in the league. Um, he's seeing Kyrie Irving just go off. That was my first thought. And it could be that. But I like the theory tossed out there by J.E. Skeets. Um, he tweeted earlier today that there's a new Arthur meme theory. LeBron knew about the Bledsoe trade last night and is salty slash angry. I'm not sure the Arthur clenched fist meme is the perfect choice, if that's the truth. But it makes sense that LeBron might know that um, his fellow clutch sports client, Eric Bledsoe, is about to get traded to a team that's not his, a fellow rival. Um, I could see that as a possibility. How how do you feel about it, Chris? That would certainly make sense,
0: given that they are they know each other are friendly and they're represented by the same people. Right. Because we didn't know until this morning he would at least have an out to say that. Right. Even if he was tweeting about Kyrie Irving and Atlanta not beating Boston, he could still today when he is asked about it, say, no, man, that was I knew about the Bledsoe trade and. Whatever, but then it would be like, <laughs> but then that is still kind of weird. I'm like saying
1: it right now.
0: Like, why are you making passive aggressive meme statements about Eric Bledsoe getting traded to the Bucks? Like, I don't. That that's kind of bizarre too. So I I don't know. what He should just do the Bledsoe thing, right? So what, what did Bledsoe say? I was at the salon. Maybe that's what LeBron should yeah, say. Yeah, I was exactly. at the salon. I was mad. I'm losing more of my hair, and it, it just it infuriated me.
1: And LeBron tweeted this morning fresh day fresh start make the most of it hashtag live laugh love hashtag strive for greatness so he's in a good mood this morning do you like the
0: passive aggressive stuff i think it is so weird i do i think it's weird it's funny
1: funny it's like when lebron put out the the zero dark thirty twenty three activated photo uh before the playoffs last season (laughs) it's so it's it's just funny it's good. It's humorous. I, I I like the cryptic tweets and cryptic Facebook posts and I Instagram would like it if photos. I thought I I, I, would, I like I like I like solving riddles, Chris.
0: No, I dig it. I would dig it if I thought that he was doing it and thought it was funny. But I think he does. He probably does. No shit. He just wants the attention. The, Stop it already. The
1: internet. Yeah, the internet goes crazy. If That's you were LeBron James, you might do. You might do stuff like that too. No, I wouldn't. I got no celebrity. But
0: even today, I wouldn't go to friggin' Twitter and put "I'm sick of this." And then just like fucking walk away and then be like, people, people be like, what are you, are you talking about the podcast you did with Kevin? Are you talking about your job? Are you talking about your life? Are you my, all my friends would be fucking calling me and they'd be like, Hey man, what's wrong? Like, like, come on, stopping oh. already. You're just doing it though, that everybody like starts, you know, you're just feeling like you need a little attention or whatever. All right, so I don't know about all the cryptic LeBron stuff. Uh Kevin, you obviously love it. Uh one other thing we didn't need to touch on today is this crazy run that Porzingis has been on and these highlights that are, you know, being passed around virally seemingly every night are just outrageous. Um he is truly the unicorn and he kind of he gave this uh he gave this post-game uh, interview on the court that would make everybody uh in New York love him even more talking about representing the city and on and on and on, Um, you know, as if the guy wasn't already beloved. And I wondered as I'm watching that interview and then seeing the numbers that the kid has put up already this year, I'm like, could you imagine if James Dolan just said, nope? I hired Phil Jackson, who's got all these rings, to run this thing, and I'm gonna let him see it through and whatever. And that dude would have traded Kristaps Porzingis <laughs> like that would have been <laughs> the most unbelievable catastrophe. It could have go down as like the worst, the worst of uh, uh, transaction anyone was ever a part of. Uh So James Dolan obviously gets a demerit for bringing in Jackson in the first place, but. You know, as the story goes, it seemed like he kind of stood by uh Porzingis, right? Like he kind of if if he's planting a flag, it was like, yo, know, you're not trading Kristaps Porzingis. Um, after alienating Carmelo and all this crap putting Kurt Rambis on every bench that you've ever been a part of and all this stuff. Um, I don't know, man. The, like that's that's what ran through my mind and he has gotten out of the shadow of Carmelo, and he has been even better than I would have ever imagined so far this year. Give me your thoughts on uh,
1: Chris Stapps. Well, he's played nine games this season, and in seven of them he's looked like one of the best players in basketball. And and truly, truly, it, it, for Chris Stapps forcing us to perform like this— I think it's ultimately just a big, big happy birthday to Jason Concepcion. Today's his birthday. <laughs> and and Chris Stapp's Porzingis performing like this is really just a tribute to our friend Network, um, Jason Concepcion. That's ultimately where I think Porzingis' mission was this so, so far the season is just to make Network proud because he he has just been an absolute joy to watch. That's like I said to you last week, Chris. Watching these young guys blossom, it's just beautiful. It really is amazing. He's been he's been un unbelievable and not just scoring points but everything defense he's been great he's been running hard up and down the floor um he's been better passing than he's has in the past um he he's blocking shots he's doing literally everything like i said nine games so far and seven of them he's looked like one of the best players in basketball and for the knicks i mean that that's amazing they are five and four so far could you
0: foresee any circumstance in which the Knicks are competing for a playoff
1: spot? For sure. Yeah. The reason is simple because if Porzingis is one of the best players in the league, which he looks like through nine games. Anytime you have one of those top-tier players, you have a shot at the playoffs. So that alone is reason why they have a shot. Never mind the fact that they're getting contributions from other guys, too. Rookie point guard Frank Kena already looks like a 10-year veteran on defense, and he's been better offensively after improving his ball handling, which has enabled his passing to really open up. And so for someone like Kena the fact is is that He's one of those guys, like we mentioned Tatum earlier or Jalen Brown, if he doesn't get any better at all from what he is today, he's still going to have a long NBA career. That's how good he's been as a rookie on the defensive end of the floor. Never mind the fact he started to shoot threes and Tim Hardaway's been solid as well. Cantor has had some moments. Jared Jack has been a stabilizer for that team. They're getting contributions from other guys around their superstar in Porzingis. So I do think they have a shot at the playoffs. And that, that's a crazy thing to say after expectations were so low for them. Do, do you feel like that they have a shot? Or do you think that they're gonna start to fizzle out and Porzingis is gonna be the only kind of uh the light coming from New York? The second. <laughs> <laughs> Listen,
0: uh, I do not I do, uh, no come on give me a break who's their second best player Hardaway Junior Canther. come on I mean, you Frankie just, Smokes baby put him in the starting five Frankie Smokes alright that's your second best player and you got are so, they going
1: to be better than Detroit or Orlando like Detroit and Orlando have better records than them right now do you think they finish above those teams those teams should finish above them should mate how about who's behind them like right now one two three four five six.
0: miami's gonna be better than them when it all shakes out i, I mean oh
1: man what maybe what if the way miami ended last season was kind of just a mirage and they're actually somewhere in the middle of what they were at the end of the season and at the start of the season which is average
0: <laughs> well, hold on. if they're average
1: oh. then they're on the same bubble as new york where they're fighting for the six seven or eight seed <laughs> hold
0: on. a 31 and 10 mirage come on Kevin. They're thirty-one yeah, and sure. ten.
1: Are they that good? Are they are they thirty-one out of forty one? A a seventy-five point six win percentage? That's the equivalent of sixty-two wins. They're not that good. They're not okay. that
0: great. I'll bet you they win at least ten more games than the Knicks. At least.
1: Ten? So yes. okay. So how many games is Miami gonna win? Miami
0: will be over five hundred for sure. Hear me out. Okay. Miami so far. They got six losses, okay? They lost opening night to Orlando. And It's an opening night. It's the one teams home opener. I I you know, I don't want to give them a complete pass, but their losses are the Spurs, the Celtics, overtime to the T Wolves at Denver by one point, and then last night the Golden State. Outside of the opening night against Orlando, which Orlando started hot. Like none of those are disgusting losses. Now again, they don't have really good wins so far. Their three uh their four wins are Indiana, Atlanta, Chicago, and the Clippers win was pretty good. At the Clippers on Sunday was pretty good. But the Clippers are coming off a tough back to back with Memphis, yeah. though. But yeah, no, I think but <laughs> again, it's ten games.
1: Ten games is a lot though. I mean Miami might finish with a better record, but I think they're going to be in the same general range, like maybe thirty-eight to forty-five range, something like that. Thirty-eight to forty-four, I, I think they could both be around, you know, the same ballpark for win totals. I just think New York has a shot because of Porzingis. As long as he stays healthy and continues shining, and I don't see any reason why he won't continue playing at the level that um he is not like 30 points per game. But if you get 26, 27 from him and then you're getting contributions from other guys and like Hardaway and Nilly Keena, those younger guys get better, I think they get a shot.
0: If they make the playoffs, that guy should win MVP. That's what I'd say. <laughs> Hey, nope.
1: man, who knows? We could be talking about Zinger as a potential MVP by the end of the season. You never know. Well, look at his number. The numbers
0: are just outlandish so far. So I don't I don't deny that, right? I mean, Giannis is averaging 31. Kristaps is right behind him, averaging 30. He's averaging 30 points a game, for God's sakes. Three of his last four, he went 38-19, 37-40. Awesome, awesome player.
1: Beautiful to watch. Yeah, thank God,
0: because they put the Knicks on TV quite a bit, right? And so now they got something fun to watch, at least. So we will keep an eye on him. A monster game, for those of you that are listening later, forgive us, but there is a monster game coming on tonight, and that is the Bucks and the Cavs. That's the last thing I want to get to uh, talk to you about. Do you think there have been all these problems with the Cavs? you got the LeBron meme. you got Dwayne Wade calling people out. It's been a bad start of the season, for sure, for the Cavs but it seems like when they have there've have been these moments where it's time to rise up like it was against Milwaukee the first time they played him like it was when they just played the Wizards and LeBron went supernova you got a set up tonight where the Bucs are playing against the cavs and it's at the cavs do you think we get this grand slam effort and you know the cavs want to remind a team that is considered to be a challenger for them that they're still the cavs or is it just like they can't do that like i'm i'm so torn on them i don't know what the hell to think is it l- literally just lebron had 57 and that's why they were good for one night or do they wake up when it's time when they know that the team across from them is somebody that they need to let know that they're still you know the cavs then they they come up with this big effort
1: i think lebron's going to ball out i still worry about the personnel but i think lebron's going to try to ball out and they're going to play with effort i uh, fact is is that um lebron seems pretty inspired right now so i think they're going to give an inspired effort
0: you can't put up that meme and not ball out
1: you gotta you gotta
0: (laughs) kevin i'll talk to you next week thanks brother
1: uh, one last thing. For Jason Concepcion's birthday, just send him pictures of Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Just tweet him photos and videos of Porzingis. It'll, it'll make his day. Just just do that up. Have we'll a good Chris.
0: Thanks, Kev. It's going to do it for another Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week. NBA show today brought to you by Stitch Fix. Between the parking and crowds at the mall and the endless browsing and lack of advice online, it's enough to make you want to rock the same t-shirt and jeans forever but you can't so let me tell you about stitch fix men just go to stitchfix.com and tell them your sizes your favorite type of clothes and how much you want to spend your personal stylist then gets to work on handpicking new clothes for you based on your style and your budget five items are delivered right to your door you try them on at home and you only pay for what you keep shipping's free both ways so anything you don't want just send it back and exchanges are always free too You can get your fix monthly, quarterly, or whenever you like. There's no subscription required. Get started now at stitchfix.com slash NBA, and you'll also get 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash NBA to get started today. stitchfix.com slash NBA.